0: You're listening
1: to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 119. Today is Thursday, September 28th. We have an awesome show analyzing second half breakout hitters, and uh, we got a pitcher edition that we'll have to do soon, but Steve and I are going to be talking about Uh, about a half dozen guys who have broken out in the second half to some extent and you know right on topic with where we were at last week basically doing the deep dive to assess if we feel this is legit if there are changes under the hood Uh, only six players to talk about it's a little bit less than usual shows but that's because a topic like this there's no shortcuts. We're, we're rolling up the sleeves and starting the thorough off-season prep, so it's going to be a great show. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter, at Wins Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore verified. Steve is at Stav 8818. Go out, give us a rating and review if you could, this time of year. Much appreciated. Uh, Steve, housekeeping out of the way. How's it going, man?
0: Good, good. It's a, I'm limping to the finish line of baseball season here Uh Dealing with a sick kid, um, that isn't sleeping because she doesn't feel well. Uh, but yeah, running on fumes. But it, but it's fine. Uh, we're we're almost there.
1: We're conditioned at this point. Yeah. Like we, we've we've done the shows where we're like you know zombies. We've done the ones you know usually in March where we're like you know jacked up on caffeine and. Adrenaline of the season So yeah I've been much
0: more tired While doing this
1: show uh, Being that uh, You know I've had a kid For
0: 15 months now Uh, There's There's been Much lower points for me So this is no big deal
1: Yeah Yeah You're doing great And hopefully uh, The daughter Is is feeling better Right in the ship And also After I uh, Shouted out my, My dad On last week's show I do have to shout out Today is my mom's 70th birthday So happy birthday To mom there While we're Going through the family tree Uh, She's the one who's dealt with All of this fantasy craziness Since I was in like 5th grade So happy birthday Ma And uh, yeah with that Steve I I
0: can't, shout out to uh, Mama Burnett Uh, Happy birthday, I can't imagine what it's like Having to deal with several fantasy Members being addicted to Fantasy baseball, let alone one Um, You know, it's a a long Season for the people who deal with this too
1: she knows. She supports it. And actually, you know, she, she is a saint. She grew up with a twin brother, an older brother, and a younger brother, uh, split Cubs and Cardinals, and then had my dad, my brother, myself, all Cardinals. So I think everyone, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, as long as the baby's healthy for us, Steve, but mm-hmm. I, I think there would be a, a blessing for her sake, if she finally got a girl in the family. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, it, I out. find it's usually the opposite of what, like, you're really begging for or hoping for. Um, <laughs> right. I was kind of indifferent. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like you. Um, but um, my wife's, my mother-in-law, so my wife's mother, uh, has uh, three grand, had three granddaughters before um, Mila was born, so. Uh, she was hoping for a boy, but didn't get it, uh, hey. and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, that's,
1: that's, you know, it's out of out of our hands, yeah. so uh, no, that's great. So, Steve, we're talking second-half breakouts. Talk to me about this topic. I know we kind of hinted at it last week, um, and, and for those who missed – we were talking about certain players and you want to get excited about second half breakouts because sometimes it can lead to, you know, like a, a Blake Snell or just a, a guy that makes some sort of change. You take it all through the offseason, into the drafts, but other times it's burnt us in the past. So I think that's why we're we're trying to really scrutinize this. But your, your thoughts on the topic itself before we, we get into some names.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of been a, a recurring topic for, for us on this show, and I think a lot of it's standard. I, I did do a, a piece I think two years ago now on like second mm-hmm. half pitchers that to keep an eye on and Giolito. Yeah, yeah. Sandy Alcantara was on it um, before his Cy Young year. Um, I think there was Shane McClanahan there too. Um, And it was just a useful way to to find, like, undervalued guys for for the next year. Um, I think we've also ran into some cautionary tales more on the hitting side, I think, because with pitchers, a 15-start sample, I think you can get a lot more information, at least information that's sticky. Um, Mm -hmm. As opposed to hitters where it's, you know, the shape of a hitter season. Yeah. just depending on when they get hot or, or, or when the schedule is in their favor or a combination of both, there's a lot more noise. Um, and I think you can get caught up in smaller samples with hitters. Um, so I'm glad we're focusing on hitters here. Um, I think I have a theme sort of that I, you know, on guys that I'm excited about in the second half um, that, you know, maybe maybe I'm, I'm, lean, I'm leaning away from that I'll I'll get into when we get, when we get into the names, I'm not giving any spoilers, but, um okay. yeah, I, I think it's a, a good process, but you just have to be be cautious of the fact that there is a lot of noise in small samples with hitters, and the second half is a small sample. It's only what like, it's not even truly the second half of the season if you do it from the All Star break. There's less games in right. the quote unquote second
1: half, so yep. uh,
0: it's a dangerous game to play.
1: I think another thing is knowing how head over heels I, I've gone in the past couple of years over, over some of these names. I think no matter what, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, but look for tangible changes, which is usually the case. Um, but also just try to look at the whole body of work because the nature of this exercise, I don't know about you, Steve, but I had fan graphs pulled up. I had the first half, second half splits, looking at a lot of stuff under the hood and it's easy to try to see two different players there but also looking on this show as we record i'd also like to look at kind of the overall line and just assess does that feel right from you know any changes that were made and and start to just kind of project out what what type of player i would expect them to be for next year so yeah i think uh it's going to be fun to track the trends on this. And like you said, we'll switch to pitching. Maybe not next show because next show will be the first time that, that final regular season stats have ended. So we might do kind of bold predictions, review, and uh and chalkboard with some final numbers. But, you know, if not next show, the one after, we will get to second half pitchers as well because I, I agree with what you're saying. You might see... Much more of a sticky change or introduction of a new pitch, things like that. So, uh, anything else to add before we we jump in and you lead us off, Steve?
0: No, I think that's a great point. It just the the I, I think, uh, and not to pick on you or anything, but like the Yasmani Grandal second half uh, is the first one that comes to mind. Like he wasn't that you know three twenty hitter he was in the second half of what twenty twenty one or whatever it was uh, 20, no, he might have been a two twenty, might have um, been a two twenty hitter. Yeah, it, it, he's more of the whole year, like a better representation of these second halves is uh, the whole year. But if you deep dig deep into underlying numbers and and can tie
1: process into new results, that's the way to go about it. I think. Yeah, I mean, the the Hall of Shame, even recently, and it took me five seconds to rattle off, like, Jorge Soler, Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez last year, Joey Meneses last year. So you definitely have to approach these with caution. But also, we're not going to ignore guys who ended on a heater, especially if it seems like a change that we would hope would, would roll over into next year or think that would roll over into next year. So, Steve lead us off here uh let's talk through the first one what you were seeing and then let's uh just kind of riff on what we're thinking for them uh in the future yeah the first guy for me is Michael Harris
0: um I think we talked about him a lot as a buy low um there was a simple process of like going to a stack cast page or or picture list page and just seeing really red sliders and really bad results and the first two months of the season, he was sitting sub 200, and you know he was touted as this, or he was being drafted as like a second, third round pick, I think, um, mm-hmm. in most leagues. Um, so there was a lot of hype coming off of a really good rookie of the, rookie year, where he won Rookie of the Year. But there was some some holes in the game. The fact that he didn't walk that much, the ground ball rate was high, um, the Babbitt was high, and You know, people expected a bit of power regression. And some of those things did come to fruition, especially in in the first half, the first two months at least, where he was hitting a ton of ground balls, didn't have much power, wasn't walking. um, But he was still hitting the ball hard and the process was there. Um, A lot of like the overall stat line differences can just be pointed to... Babip difference it was a 286 Babip in the first half 372 in the second um and last year uh michael harris also ran we're in a pretty high Babip. um i'm pulling that up right now but um i i think there's there's more to just writing it off to a babbit difference and some luck and some normalization there I agree. there's a guy yeah. who hits um You know, the ball hard and has always hit the ball hard in the two years that he's been here. Um, Yeah, last year was two sixty one his BABIP, so relatively high. It was even higher in the second half, but you know there was a ten percent power rate there, forty five percent hard hit percentage, and those things carried over this year. There was a ten percent power rate, forty eight percent hard hit. But in the second half, what has me excited is the fact that the ground ball percentage went down from 54.1% to 41.5%. That's and huge. it wasn't an increase in fly balls. It was all line drive rate. It went from 14.8% to 29.5%, which there's a lot of noise in line drives. Uh, there definitely could be some regression there. But if you're going to hit that many line drives, that's how you're going to hit for average. Um uh, and then also what's what's exciting is the fact that he's had the best power rate of his career in August and September, um, 11% in August and 16% in September. So, um, you know, maybe there's a bit more um, power coming because of that, and especially if he could hit some more fly balls and continue to hit the ball hard and in the air. Like, Michael Harris is still just 21 years old. Like, he's still yeah, that's crazy, becoming... Crazy. He's nowhere near his prime right uh so as he hones these skills like I think they're you know i, I think people could see this two ninety two eighty five 20 ish homers 20 ish steals is sort of the the ceiling for now but there may be a level beyond that as he taps into to that power and starts to hit more uh balls in the air like he did in the second half
1: yeah this is uh this is a great one he hits to all fields I mean I mean you talked about the power upside which absolutely is right Steve like that was what I was looking at on just like his month over month charts his barrel rate uh rounded out the month of August 11.7% in the month of September a 16% barrel rate. So I know it's just one month you don't want to overreact but that's the path forward to to you know 25 homers. A year instead of like just chalking him up as a 2020 guy. The other thing is, I think when we saw him hit 297 last year, we were all like, oh, yeah, that's going to come down. Maybe he's a 275 guy. But now that he's hit 290 on this season, and like you mentioned, the line drive rate, like just month over month, it's increased. In the month of April, his line drive rate was 10%, then 20% in May. And August, 35% line drive rate, and then 37 in September. So it's just gone up every single month to where now you look at his XBA at like a 299. And yes, the BABIP might have been a lot higher, but also to some extent when you've got, you know, 90th percentile sprint, spree- sp- <laughs> sprint speed and you're roping line drives to all fields, like, yeah, that's going to run a high BABIP. So, yeah, what's, uh, I guess... He was he was a third rounder this past year. He probably disappointed. Is that fair to say?
0: Um, I think or he kind of like met he landed. Maybe yeah. people expect it's a bit of growth there uh, at that stage, and he kind of just repeated
1: what he did in because um, he had the nineteen homers and almost like I mean yeah yeah he, he basically games, had like a half at, a season. He basically had yeah. eighty less at
0: bats last year and did the exact same thing. Um, so yeah, it probably was a bit of a disappointment. I think he'll go around the same, you know, maybe three, four territory rather than, you know, creeping up to the round two sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, if there's, I'm a little more interested at that price though, Uh, because
1: also like what's going on with the, why is he a 20 year old? speedster the only one in the majors who hasn't turned 20 steel speed into like that's that's where nico horner was last year yeah more and, or less and, 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 who knows, and now horner is 40 plus So there could like, have been some more stolen
0: bases um if he wasn't hitting you know 160 through the first two months of the season or whatever it was too
1: right yeah and that good of an offense i think uh and he's still back end right yeah so he's he's the mini leadoff that That's really hurting him with the RBI total, but you should expect him to have, like, 80 runs feels like the floor. I think 2020 kind of feels like the floor, and maybe the batting average is, like, a 280 floor. Like, that's a great, you know, across the board, a great floor guy who could be, you know, you wouldn't be shocked next year if he went 25-35. No, he improved his strikeout rate.
0: Um, his max EV—I know that's a flawed stat, but it's still a good indication of raw power. Is top ten percent of the league this year. Um, you know, you brought up the XBA. I was going to bring that up. Uh, I think that the arrows pointing up on Michael Harris in the second half was an, it was an indication
1: of of um, some some good growth. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could move him out of that lineup spot. But I yeah, know I know think it, it'll um... come.
0: I think as as. You know, he's not going to lead off with the Acuna, but, um, and, you know, the fact that he doesn't take that many walks probably is, is hurting him and that lineup is so stacked, but I think they'll, you know, start to move him up to, like, even if he's, like, sixth or fifth, like, that's still a really good spot.
1: Yeah, it looks like, uh, just on roster resource, it looks like he's at sixth on page. Let me just pull up. I'm curious if he's if he has moved up because that would even that would be, yeah. So they did they did move him up to to six at some point, and even had a, some games at leadoff. Okay, so they're not married to him being that you know right before Acuna thing. So uh, I, I like it. I think if he, for whatever reason, turns into like a fourth, fifth round for sure. But if we get a discount from third round to fourth round, that's someone. That I'm kind of buying buying the bounce back with the upside, so really really good call out. Anything else to to add on Harris before we shift here?
0: No, no, I think we could go to go to your first
1: guy here. All right, so shifting over to mine, we got another youngster here in Tristan Casas. So Casas, uh, yeah, it's it's a name that we've been interested for a while, Steve. I think we we're waiting for. You know, a, a breakout, I've watched him really closely because he's kind of a points league specialist with his ability to take a walk. And now you look at what he's done on the season, uh, 24 homers, a 263 average, 857 OPS. And you kind of say like, that'll do. That's solid. 65 RBI, 66 runs. I know the Red Sox as a, as an offense were down a little bit, but he's usually hitting cleanup. The second half, though, for Casas is really tempting with a, a 317 average, a 1031 OPS, 15 home runs, in just 54 games. So well over a a 40-homer pace there for Casas just in what he's done in the second half. A lot of that was July where he had seven homers, 1,200 OPS. Uh, just looking at more on the second half, that was that line that he put up was good enough for sixth in the league in WRC plus? I know you called him out last week when we were talking about like Suzuki and those guys that he kind of stood out. So thought we'd do a little bit of the deep dive here. Uh, second half again, thirteen point seven percent walk rate is terrific. Uh, a twenty three point seven percent strikeout rate is very manageable. The three sixty five BABIP very high. Uh, 26.8% home run to fly ball rate, pretty inflated, uh, compared to his first half that, that home run to fly ball rate in the first half was 12.3%. So less than half there. Uh, and then the fly ball rate at 43%, which is up just a little bit from what he did in the first half. Uh, in terms of a tale of, of two seasons, yeah, again, three seventeen, fifteen homers. The first half it was two twenty five average with just nine homers in twenty three more games. So we're kind of left to, you know, squint and say which what is Casas here, and is it probably just something in the middle of these two, uh, which is which is his season line again of like, you know, twenty four homers, a two sixty three average. I'm a little curious because looking at like the the end of the argument, the barrel rate did not spike at all. It kind of stayed put. Uh, his fly ball rate actually dropped in August and September. The swing and miss went up, but he's also out for the rest of the season with, with shoulder inflammation where they kind of shut him down. So you kind of wonder if this August and September when he came back down to reality was – early signs of this injury that's put him out so curious your thoughts on Casas when I look at all of it I'm thinking he's definitely a points league plus guy I do think there's legitimate 30 35 Homer pop here and the average is where I'm I'm definitely not buying anything close to the 317 that we've seen in this second half I think it's honestly even even under the the 260 that he's put up on the season line. Where are you with Casas? Do you think he's, you know, a 250 hitter with 30 homers? Or are you more bullish on him?
0: Um, I think that's a fair uh, projection for him. I think he is a good back-end first base target. I think because of this injury and because of the overall line and cooling off in August and September, I think that that'll prevent him from being like, there was a point like in that July period where you know it was like Casaswell like is he the top 10 first baseman top 5 first baseman maybe not that far but um it, it, there there was some some hype you know the fact that it's the major market team the Red Sox uh, a hype prospect hitting a bunch of homers um I think the helium is sort of cool a little bit and I think that that's probably going to be Right, I think that he is a good back end first baseman target that may be a liability in average, but is going to hit a bunch of homers. Um, and hey, uh, you know, th- there could th- there could be a few months where he does hit uh, hit for average, but the 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 strikeout and the swing and miss in his game has sort of always been prevalent, uh, even during those hot streaks. Like there wasn't a a dip in swing strike rate or anything like that, that told me he's going to strike out a lot less going forward. Um, But there's no questioning the power. And I think it is more than fair that he is a good target. If you want to wait on first baseman, if that's where he's going to end up uh, in like, you know, the back end of the, of, of, of your starting first baseman as far as ADP go.
1: Yeah, and just looking at like what he's done in the minors, maybe I've I've got him pegged wrong just a little bit because he's actually never had like Herculean. I mean, yeah, he's seventy raw power, but like outside, basically in the high minors, he's never really sustained an ISO like over a long sample size that's over I don't know like two ten two fifteen. So on the other hand. He actually has put up long samples of like hitting 273 uh, in AAA last season for 72 games, um, but in that that time he just had like a, a 208 ISO. So maybe he's a little bit closer to like the Andrew Vaughn, Freddie Freeman um, mold as opposed to like
0: I don't I, I don't think so. I think that just looking at him, he's 6'5", 240, like. Drafted out of high school, he's age twenty three. Like sometimes it takes a bit for a power hitter the to power. actually tap into that game. You know, their raw translate their raw power to game power. Like I've seen enough this year. You know, the twenty four homers and five hundred plate appearances
1: has me buying that this is a legit power hitter. So, th- so you're you're buying the thirty homers? Um, yeah, I would
0: take the over on thirty
1: homers in a full season for. Carcasses next year. Okay, and then over under on two fifty five average.
0: I will take the under on that.
1: Okay, it's an interesting one. Again, it, it, like in a points league, his, his walk rate is so impressive that that's where like yeah he 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 gets a huge boost there. It's kind of in in like Newt Bar type of territory. Maybe like a Max so, Muncie, uh type of type of scene. yeah. Yeah, good Max Muncy. Yeah, M- Muncy's turned it around too. Yeah, I got to he hit two thirteen.
0: So you know, well, that's...
1: you and Schwabzi were uh, telling me that he wouldn't he wouldn't pull up his yeah his batting average yeah. on the season. Yeah. He's really uh, making me look good yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. Uh, hitting all of two sixteen on the season. So yeah. yeah, had to you know had to twist a knife a little bit on that one. Uh, so yeah, Casas, I I agree. Uh, corner and field. That, you know, if you missed out on first base. Uh, I do think the Red Sox, with him hitting it in that cleanup spot, is kind of sneaky uh, runs in RBIs. So, yeah, I, I I like it. I don't know if it's like a, a hard target or anything, but I, I'm probably going to have some shares next, next year. Good it's,
0: uh, first baseman well, parachute, I think.
1: Yeah, and a, a volume one when we were talking about uh, some of those – best ball formats as part of our learning. So as long as he can stay healthy, we'll have to watch the shoulder inflammation closely for sure. So uh, Steve, you are up next with another young hitter. That's kind of your early theme here, but we got to take our first ad break and we'll be right back. All right. So Steve uh, set us off with number two over there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's Gunnar Henderson. Um, He is probably going to win AL Rookie of the Year at this point. And I think he was dropped in a lot of leagues in the first half. Uh, yeah. Uh, or at least considered by by a lot as a drop. Um, in the first half, he had 246, 340, 455 with a 795 OPS, 11.7% uh, walk rate and a 30% strikeout rate. Um, and I think that doesn't do like the struggles of May and April, justice i'm pulling up the monthly splits right now Well, i'll tell you
1: steve i dropped him in may so anything after that is exactly where he jumped he jumped from the 740 ops to the 994 yeah that was days after i dropped him and i had picked him up off the freeze in
0: april he had a 669 ops and in may he had a 740 so towards the end of may there uh, the the rest of the way he hasn't had an OPS in a in a month lower than eight nineteen, which was which was August, where he's still at two eighty two, um, but yeah, uh, it 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 does the the second half doesn't do really justice because his June was amazing at a nine ninety four OPS, so that's not going to get caught up in those splits. But I'm not really too worried about those overall numbers. Um, the second half it's an eight fifty six OPS. Um, 13 homers in the first half in 79 games, 15 homers in 67 games, in the in the second half, um, with six more doubles too. So a lot more power per game. But the the really interesting thing is the fact that he cut his strikeout rate by nine percent, thirty to twenty one percent, and cut his walk rate by like four point seven percent, or or five point seven percent, eleven point seven to six point to six percent. So he got a lot more aggressive. He started swinging a lot more. Uh, I put a nice uh, rolling graph chart from Fangraphs in, into our rundown that you can't see, but um, you know I'll, I'll do my best describing it. Um, he basically swung a lot more and swung a lot more in the zone, all while his swinging strike rate basically stayed the same. So he became a lot more aggressive, didn't swing and miss more, and swung more pitches in the zone and pitches overall and did a lot more damage with those. So he was basically being way too passive and yes his walk rate took a big hit because of that, but I would take that trade-off with that increase in power and decrease in, in, in strikeout rate um and if this is the Gunnar Henderson that is here like it, he's a fa- he's been a fantasy star for for the second half basically since since May. So, uh those adjustments he did worked um and it was an amazing amazing second half and yeah, sorry for
1: you and for whoever
0: else dropped him in day.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that's the strikeout. It, it, cutting strikeouts by 9% is huge and that that is a nice graph that you pulled in here, Steve. I guess my question is in terms of the average, first half he hit 246, second half he hit 273. Last year he hit 259 on the season. This year he hit 258 on the season. Is that right about where you have him pegged? Because otherwise I feel like uh, we were kind of expecting 25 and 10. I, I want to say that was almost exactly not 28 that he has. So I think this is more power than projections had him for. But I do remember seeing projections that were like 25 homer, 10 steal. In terms of average, does this feel about what we can expect from Gunner? Or do you think that there's room to grow knowing that he hit the the 273 in the second half?
0: I I think there's room to grow for sure. For someone that hits the ball hard over 50% of the time to only have a 311 BABIP. And he clearly runs well, right? He's got an Mm 85th percentile sprint speed. Um the XBA does say two hundred sixty, it was two fifty last year. Um so maybe I'm I'm a bit optimistic, but I I would I think that he's like a two seventy five, two seventy hitter. Um with the you know, yeah, he just 30, the 30... homer, ten home ten ten speed ten steel speed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking last year, just had uh forgetting the sample size he played 34 games yeah, last basically year just a month yep yeah, so a, a month and during that time he had a 57 percent ground ball rate which is way way high this year it was a 45.7 percent um, yeah not a ton
0: of fly balls or like pop-ups or anything like that that you'd expect to keep the average down i, I would take the over on 270 for
1: next year for henderson
0: oh 270 yeah okay
1: Then, yeah, that's that's uh, what were you going to give? What what, did I just give myself some bad odds? What were you going to give me as the overrunner for average 260? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's where like where he's been at 259. I'm just curious, like, is that where we feel he is? But 270, if he's 270, 30, 10, um, and and that's age 23 season at third base, like that's uh, a bargain. I I feel like that is something like first round, that's where the industry is. He's probably. Where do you think he goes next year? Does he go in the second round? I don't think so. Um maybe he I'm, went in what, like
0: the fifth, sixth this year? Yeah. So
1: he's probably I, I mean I'd be surprised maybe where Harris good, went good last year. Still. Yeah. I think like middle back end of the third, third. round. Okay. Uh and if he if he falls a bit, which guys his age usually don't, but yeah, I, I would be in on that. Um yeah, that's and, and, and it's a name that probably burnt enough people and because he's turned things around. Now industry leagues will be, you know, sharp on all this, but I think in like home leagues his name's got not gonna carry as much buzz because I think a lot of people did see him on the wire this year and probably aren't uh you know, privy to the fact that he cut his strikeout rate, you know, in thirds. So uh yeah, that's a good one there for Gunnar. Uh, similar themes for my second one, Steve, first of all, coming right off of the max Muncie victory lap. Now I got to flip to the other side of this. Cause we had a board bet at one point where I was bagging on Juan Soto saying, Ugh, I, I think I said that he would not be a, uh, was it second round or like top 18 guy or something. And you were like, Oh, I'll take that bet. I think he's done enough in the second half to where he definitely will be, uh, The second half, he had 20 homers, hit .290, and had five steals. Uh, The first half, he even righted the ship from the first couple months where he had 15 homers, six steals, a .265 average. So really the biggest difference here is five more homers and uh, 25 points on batting average. So uh, what is Soto doing beneath the hood? The biggest thing I saw, Steve, is that it's actually the similar to Gunner. The swing rate for Juan Soto, a guy who walks 20% of the time, he walked 15% of the time in the second half and struck out 5% less. So I did a similar thing you did with Gunner Henderson and looked at his swing rate. It rose month over month since May. Uh, the chase rate flew up in the second half, which usually is a bad thing but the chase miss rate dropped. So while he's chasing more, he's hitting more balls. The launch angle went way up as well in the second half, which we all know the ground ball rate is, is an issue for Soto. So this is another really good example of like a guy who's almost the hallmark uh, of, you know, plate discipline. Finally, at some point just said like, I'm swinging and I don't want to like overreact because Soto is Soto, but to see his batting average jump 25 points, his BABIP actually dropped uh, 25 points and he, and he still had 25 points of gain on the batting average. So he's doing things right. Um, And yeah, I'm just uh, the hard hit rate followed as well. It rose 6%. So very interested in what Soto did in this second half. Curious if it's going to roll over, but Overall, now when you look at basically the the season line and him reaching 35 homers, 11 steals, I know that uh, strangely enough, those numbers don't like jump off the page with the things that like Acuna is doing and everything. But when you look at a, a 276 average, 35 homer, 11 steal, like I'm starting to warm up to Soto being like a top 10 pick for me. And maybe that's too high, but uh, I think I'm back in, Steve.
0: No, I think that's fair, I and mean, I think I would take him around there. Uh, I think last year is just an outlier, especially in the second half. He had that back injury, and that really hampered him. He had the trade where, like, you know, the the organization, like, leaked information about his contract negotiations, which he was upset about. So uh, I think that was just a one-off, and this is, like, who Juan Soto is. Like, it's an OPS above 900 again, like, well above 900, like, that's, I, I think, what we have come to expect from Soto. And sure, there may not be ever, like, a 45-homer season in there, but I mean, he's got 35 this year. And I think there's some room for, for batting average improvement. Like you said, like, there's been a bit of bad Babbitt block. His XBA is 282. Um, You know, uh, he, he doesn't hit, you know, so many fly balls that you would expect to— a, a, a bad um a bad batting average or anything like that um you know yeah, there, I mean, there could be some drives which is a bit of a noisy stat too um as far as year to year uh that could get above two twenty percent again like it was in 2021 and 2019 um so uh i i think that soto was undervalued this year and potentially could be undervalued next year again.
1: Yeah, har- highest hard hit rate of his career. Uh, most homers of his career, the barrel rate is back up to where it was in 2021 when, you know, that was the season he had 29 homers and hit 313. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's enough here for me to, to be back in. So, and uh, sure, I'm the strikeouts
0: have gone yeah. up, but it's still... Just eighteen percent, which is crazy for it to go up four percent and still be really, really
1: good. Yeah, I'm fine with him being being more aggressive. And honestly, I mean, even in five by five, we talked a little bit about for someone who walks that much, you're losing batting average when they're not swinging, uh, just because they're they're walking so much and you don't get that stat in in five by five. So, yeah, yeah, you know, the eighteen percent
0: walk in five by five is much better than like the 22% in 2021. Like that's a, that's a a big deal.
1: Yeah. You'll take it. Uh, so we got two more here, Steve and, and going back to you. And then I don't know if you saw, but mine's kind of a wild card that we're rounding out with, but we'll take our second ad break and we'll be right back. All right. So Steve, uh, feel like this guy's on the, uh, the WAF first team or second team. We've talked about him for several years, but, Talk to me about Francisco Lindor here.
0: Yeah, I feel like we, we talk about him a bunch because of similar things, like slow starts, disappointing first halves, and then like there hasn't really been a year maybe other than 2021 um, where he was like an overall disappointment. But Lindor kind of did it again, although it's in a weird shape because like his OPS has was higher in the first half but he hit just 239 in the second half he hit 265 um with 17 stolen bases in the second half versus 13 in the first um and I think it's just like mainly babip driven and I, I don't know Lindor is a, a polarizing player like I always have people texting me like like what's up with Lindor like maybe because I'm in New York and a lot of people are Mets fans um, like, is he just not that good? And it's like, no, he, he is good. And like, he has a 30, 30 season. He just had two, three homers today and double header. Um, and, and if you, you know, you would have listened to like, New York sports talk radio on the first half or in April and May, uh, with Lindor, that would not have been the case. Um, you know, maybe he's just a slow starter and maybe this is more soft analysis and there's nothing as far as like hard hit or strikeout rate change. Like those all look the same month over month. But I think people need to understand that Lindor is not like this 280, 290 hitter. He is like a 250, 30 homer guy that, you know, probably has a bit closer to an 800 OPS rather than 850, but it's still a really, really good fantasy player. Like he's 30 stolen bases and only caught three times this year. Um, 30 homers after hitting, you know, 26 last year, um, maybe he's just the post-All-Star break target, post-April-May target. Um, Again, I, I wish there was some more, um, you know, change in fly ball rate or hard hit rate, but yeah. they all really look the same. I do. think that's yeah. just because th- uh, maybe it's just a reminder to be like, look at Lindor's baseball card over the last three years, and that's what he's going to be at the end of the year, uh, at, at least while he's, you know. Closer to thirty than he is to forty, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's it's um, maybe it's easier to look at Lindor this season versus last in terms of tweaks uh, because the ground ball rate last year was forty three point five percent. It's dropped to thirty four percent. So he he's basically raised his fly ball rate by four percent, his line drive rate by four percent. So that's tangible, but you're right, Steve. Like when you look at uh, month over month or first half to second half, it's impossible to see anything that like to to our. He was unlucky in the first half. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. He was. He was unlucky in the first half. I mean, again, year over year, his barrel rates up a little bit. so his, I guess I didn't realize too. So yeah, 28 homers, 30 steals. I think one thing that's, that's tough about Lindor, it's, it's nice to see him taking advantage of the new base running environment because at age 29, like if that part of his game went away, I think he would like a huge part of his fantasy value would as well. For sure. That's, so that's, that's true. But you know he's not thirty three, right? He, he's twenty nine. We know he's a gamer. Um, and his XBA on the season is like two forty nine. Yeah, man, he's he he has been polarizing in recent years. A two thirty average, a two seventy average, a two fifty two this season. Like I think my the hard part for me about Lindor is I don't know what I don't know what version we're gonna get. It usually ends up being like a B plus production um but i feel like it's been quite a while since we've seen him be like a, a fantasy all-star right yeah it's probably been since i don't think he will... I,
0: I don't know i mean he has a 30 30 season this year is that is that not he because he hit another homer tonight um you know is 250 30 30 with you know 100 rbis and 100 runs uh, a, fantasy a, fantasy. I think a fantasy all-star. It's pretty close.
1: Well, let's see. I mean, because the steals, like what, tw- uh, 30 steals that he has this year is kind of what 20 steals was last year. Sure. You know? Sure. So I guess like looking at Carol Witt, like those are the new powers. Sure. He is the second the tier. Bar.
0: He has a tier down from that. Definitely. Yes.
1: And then, you know, J-Rod, I'm just trying to go down the list here of like, well, yeah. So I guess he's still like top fifteen on steals, and then when you pair that with twenty eight homers, the two fifty's not really hurting you or helping you, and then ninety RBIs, a hundred and one runs. Yeah, it's it's kind of the season Tatis Junior had. Yeah. Um. Or not not too far off from from Trey Turner when you look at Turner just had seventy six RBIs mm-hmm. so. Uh, So kind of casting into draft season, is he just like a vanilla? I think he's firmly like a good option in
0: in the second tier of shortstops.
1: And there's a big gap between that first tier of
0: shortstops, don't get me wrong. But I think he's a great option there if you miss out on on those.
1: Yeah, I think he'll be there in the fourth round with how many like exciting players there are. Yes, agree. And he could be a nice little, yeah, like you said, a a glue piece. Um, And the 30 steals is better than, you know, this isn't like a Xander Bogarts. It would be nice. I just feel like for the hitter, like how seasoned of a professional he is, I would love if he could, uh, you know, easy to say, would love if he could just kind of like solidify the average a little bit. Because there was a five-year stretch where he was 300, 273, 277, 284 and then it's just been in the past 5 years where he's kind of sure. averaged out yeah. as like a 245 to mm-hmm. 250 mm-hmm. hitter. And that's kind of annoying for a guy who's You would hope a the shape
0: of his career if he is going to stay a fantasy second team all-star, let's call it. Yeah. That when the steals wither away, the batting average and power, the batting average goes up and power remains, right? Like if he yeah. became like a 285 30 homer, 10 steel guy. You know, that's how he would prolong his fantasy stardom. I don't know if that's possible, but that's what, yeah. what, and, what and I, can but I don't evolve. see the steels
1: going away like next year. You know? No, not next year. And and can he can he take a step forward again on power? Like I know the twenty-eight will take, but it wasn't just rabbit ball twenty nineteen. Like he had he had thirty-eight homers in twenty eighteen. Yep. Like it would be like we've just seen him do it in every category, but he—it's been a long time since he's done it in all categories at once. So, yeah, I, I think maybe there's upside when you look at it that way. But, um, yeah, uh, if nothing else, I do think he's a solid uh, kind of like third team fantasy okay. all star. Okay, so fair, yeah, fair. you can you can deal with that. Yeah. But there's yeah. there's a little upside. So, uh, okay. So rounding off for me, Steve. Uh, You know, coming off of the the Grandall burn, it was one of my lessons learned (laughs) last year that I think along with you that we didn't want to be too early on catcher or too late. Like we wanted to just kind of shop from the bargain bin a little bit. And I actually did have some Cal Raleigh shares. And I hated those shares (laughs) in, in the first half. And he's actually put together a second half. On the rundown, you'll notice I actually put the ellipsis, the three periods after his name, because I was so depressed that I was gonna like end the show talking about Cal Raleigh. But the more I dug in, I don't know, man. I'm 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 kinda interested here. So let me try to sell you. Uh, let's start with the first half. It was not pretty. A a two twenty three average, but the real issue was the seven oh one OPS. Because you're not really signing up for for him to be a high average guy, but you want that like Kyle Schwarber you know, I'll, I'll take the hit on average, but I need a lot of pop. Just 11 homers in the first half, 701 OPS. In that time, he had a 270 BABIP, which wasn't terrible. So that's not encouraging for the, the 223 average. Uh, the, the the strikeout rate was down, actually, to 26%, but the home run to fly ball was just 12.6%, which is very low for a slugger like him. Uh now let me talk about the second half. Second half, he hits 250 from an average standpoint, which is you know more than you're signing up for at the catcher position. An eight sixty-seven OPS, thanks to 19 homers in a shortened second half. Uh, the strikeout rate actually creeped up from 26 to 30 uh, percent. the Babip was at 286, which isn't too egregious for that 250 average. It's encouraging. It was the homer to fly ball rate, which doubled. And you kind of say, is that all luck? Well, I don't think so, because the next two stats are really what caught my attention. His fly ball rate in the second half was 52%, which was ninth in the MLB, the lefty pop. And then the pull rate was fifth in the majors at a 56% pull rate. Look at those numbers compared to the first half. He was 40th in fly ball rate before going up to ninth in the majors. And then the pull rate in the first half was 40th as well. And that went up to fifth in the majors. So, you know, this to me just starts to suggest a little bit of an approach change where I'm looking at this and thinking he, he went in with the formula of like, I've got to hit it in the air. I've got to pull it. That's what I am. I, I've got no problem if that, you know, if I'm selling out for power in that way, but it actually helped the average quite a bit. So I'm not saying that I'm I'm going to pull a, a grand all here or reach too much. But the 30 homers and a 235 average this season, I think you would look at and say, like, job well done, Cal Raleigh. You got me my 75 RBIs, 76 runs. I don't care about the 235 average. I love the 30 homers. And that's been in the 140 games. I think if he can carry over this approach it's not and you can't forget that in in 2022 he had just 119 games and he had 27 homers so i'm starting to think that this could be 35 40 homer territory and yes the average might be somewhere between 230 240 something like that but for a a slugger at a at a catcher position and he's just 26 years old got a little excitement over here about Cal Raleigh uh what do you think I am buying the
0: power. I think that, you know, that approach change is legit and tells a great story. Um, I think he is a guy that is always trying to pull the ball in the air and pull it hard. I am not buying uh, the average. Like everything that he does, even with that approach change in the second half, um, the increase in K rate, um, the swing and miss Uh that's in his game, um, I think a 286 Babbitt is a bit high and the fact that he hit he, he's hitting two thirty five may get people a bit too excited this year. Uh I think that much it I, I think I would buy his twenty twenty two, which is still really good, you know, twenty seven homers and four seventeen, but I think that average is going to be around two hundred, um just for Raleigh, just with the amount of of, of chase, uh, swing and miss, the amount of strikeout, um and, you know, he does walk a decent amount, too. Um, so I, I think that I love the power. I believe in the power. I think it's, you know, there. He has the best nickname in baseball, too, and big dumper. Um, I think that he definitely could be, you know, a 35 homer, 40 homer catcher. Um, but I think it's going to come with um, an extremely low average, like close to 200 in my, in my mind. But I I still think that he's that makes him a good target at a catcher. Despite that, like as long as
1: you're willing to know that I don't,
0: I think two thirty five is the high end for
1: his average. Okay, so you are are you taking an under on two uh, twenty?
0: Yeah, I would take the under on two twenty. Oh man!
1: All right, all right. Well, let me look at this here. I think he's like a two fifteen uh... hitter. So last year the xba was two sixteen. This year it's two two thirty. Uh, yeah, the story. I mean, season over season, it's a better story on the K's because his sure th- yes he went from a thirty five percent K rate to a twenty nine point four to a twenty seven point nine. But I know second half that's looked worse. Uh, yeah, swung, I mean, and, you, swung and
0: missed less this year overall. Swung and, uh,
1: less whiff in his game. Um, chased around the same, but but yeah, I mean, there's some Mike Zunino in, in in here, but he does get. I'm curious. I don't know if you got his FanGraphs page up. Like, is is Kyle Raleigh DHing as well?
0: Uh he's a really good framer. I have that on his Savant page up,
1: but I I, I think he because the 140 games is pretty high for a catcher. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: got to gotta be playing
1: yeah. uh, some DH
0: then too. I would think, but okay, so yeah, the, that I, and, and who know Maybe maybe that's a bit of a, a high end on his playing time too. Like, like is he yeah, going to get five fifty plate appearances again next year? Um that's a especially good point. if the Mariners like try to improve on the margins there.
1: All right, you you talking me down a little bit, a and little bit. Is, I still think uh, he's a good ta- catcher target. Well, and catchers getting it's getting better and better, so. True. I don't think there's going to be the tax that there always has been. So I, I still think you can get Cal Raleigh in a similar range of like, you know, well after pick 150, I would guess, which is which is where you, you grabbed him this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's something to think about. The the barrel rate, it goes without saying, is, is well above average at 13.2% barrel rate this year. Um so, yeah, I think I'm just dismissing that I think a lot of people will remember the first half because that's how fantasy works, and that was really underwhelming. It, it's been really encouraging to see him hit 250 with 19 homers in the second half, even if that should have been more like a 240 average or something because the Babbitt was a little sure. high at 286. Um,
0: yeah, especially guys yeah. that uh, – you know, Cal Riley, great catcher, sleeper target, 27 homers and just – uh 415 plate appearances next year like you know and you see six homers and 160 in in may like people forget about that real quick you know um they move on from those those supposed sleepers uh that they Mm -hmm. get burned by and and miss out on the second half like this so i I get that sentiment as well
1: yep yeah and most of the damage comes comes against fastballs like he still has a lot of struggles against uh breaking and and change ups in terms of like swing and miss and stuff so yeah he's he's got work to do but he is just 26 so um i think i'm in as as a little parachute catcher there so I like it um nice well that that rounds us out steve uh what are we thinking for next week then are we are, are, are you in on bold predictions chalkboard or do you want to do uh let's
0: uh let's talk offline we can either do that next week and do pitchers next week or, or vice versa um down for whatever uh, maybe since it is an official end of season we we should do more of a
1: wrap-up show um, but we'll we'll keep our options open for now okay and in terms of your trend steve you teased it early on but i'm not sure i ever heard you say uh the trend on yeah the I, I
0: i think more of a track record right like I don't want to just base things off of one second half. I know Gunner might've been a bit of an exception, but he is like the top end prospect. Right. And we yeah. had even a bit of a sample last year, but you know, I'm much more um, confident in a guy that I'm not just putting all their bag- eggs in the basket of, of the second half next of one one season and one second half. Right. Like, you know, Lindor has been a first rounder, um, in years past uh, Michael Harris we have two full seasons of this now at this point um, I guess Gunner is a bit of an exception um, but mm-hmm. hey he's Gunner Henderson so uh, two out of three from my for, my for my trend there
1: yeah yeah there's that the exercise alone made me look twice at, at names that I I kind of had pegged in my mind what type of player they were which is the whole idea so uh, love that. And I think actually, Steve, we've, we've got a discord shout out that we got to include here as well before we, oh up. yeah, that's right. So we got a, we got a shout out from the discord. This is, uh, Zethan, uh, but, but his team, uh, Zoidberg, basically they won the league. He won his home league and running away. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm just pulling it up now. Yeah, not, not even close. Ran away with it. Got a lot of praise in the Discord. Of course, everyone's sending congrats there. And yeah, last year he won as well, which is huge. But I blame Zoidberg. Runs away with it. And he attributes some of his success to Stav and Van underscore verified for the draft advice preseason from the WAF podcast. So, uh, Zethan, congratulations. And uh, a sincere thank you from uh, the WAF team here for tuning in and uh, making us look a little better since we ourselves didn't win our home leagues.
0: Yeah, that that just made my day um, reading that post. So um, glad we were able to help out at least one person. Hopefully it was, hopefully it was a few more. Uh, so, But that put a huge smile on my face and makes it, you know, I, I love doing this and it makes me love it even more.
1: Yeah, and that and there's there's your plug guys. Uh sign up for for Pitchless Plus, hop on the Discord, you got access all day, can ask any fantasy questions, can ask QB list questions for fantasy football as well. Uh but yeah, that wraps us up guys for episode 119. We'll be back uh next week and the week after before we get into the every other week schedule for off season. Uh but it has been a great season with all you guys. So, as always, Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks,
0: guys. Later.